Chapter Five of Flower of the Dusk by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eloise. The hotel was a long, low, rambling structure with creaky floors and old-fashioned furniture, but the wide verandas commanded a glorious view of the sea. No canned vegetables were served at the table, and there was no orchestra. Naturally, it was crowded from June to October with people who earnestly desired quiet and were willing to go far to get it. The inevitable row of rocking-chairs swayed back and forth on the seaward side. Most of them were empty, save, perhaps, for the ghosts of long-dead gossips who had sat and rocked and talked and rocked from one meal to the next. The paint on the veranda was worn in long series of parallel lines, slightly curved, but nobody cared. No phonograph broke upon the evening stillness with an ear-splitting din. No unholy piccolo sounded above the other tortured instruments. No violin wailed pitifully at its inhuman treatment. And the piano was locked. At seasonable hours the key might be had at the office by those who could prove themselves worthy of the trust. But otherwise, quiet reigned. Miss Eloise Wynne came downstairs with a book under her arm. She was fresh as the morning itself, and as full of exuberant vitality. She was tall and straight and strong. Her copper-colored hair shone as though it had been burnished, and her tanned cheeks had a tint of rose. When she entered the dining-room, with a cheery, "'Good morning,' that included everybody, she produced precisely the effect of a cool breeze from the sea. She was thirty, and cheerfully admitted it on occasion. "'If I don't look it,' she said, smiling, people will be surprised, and if I do, there would be no use in denying it. Anyhow, I'm old enough to go about alone. It was her wont to settle herself for summer or winter in any place she chose, with no chaperone in sight. For a week she had been at Riverdale by the sea, and liked it on account of the lack of entertainment. People who lived there called it simply Riverdale, but the manager of the hotel, perhaps to atone for the missing orchestra and canned vegetables, added, by the sea, to the name, in his modest advertisements. Miss Wynne, fortunately, had enough money to enable her to live the much-talked-of simple life, which is wildly impossible to the poor. It was not necessary for her to concern herself with the sordid and material. She could occupy herself with the finer things of the soul. Just now, however, she was deeply interested in the material foundation of the finest thing in the world—a home. She had taken the bizarre paper-slip, which protected the even more striking cover of a recent popular novel, and adjusted it to a bulky volume of very different character. In her chatelaine bag she had a pencil and a notebook, for Miss Eloise was sorely afflicted with the notebook habit, and had a passion for reducing everything to lists. She had lists of things she wanted, and lists of things she didn't want, which circumstances or well-meaning Santa Clauses had forced upon her little books of addresses and telephone numbers, jewels and other personal belongings, and, finally, a catalogue of her library alphabetically arranged by author and title. Immediately after breakfast she went off with a long, swinging stride which filled her small audience with envy and admiration. Disjointed remarks such as, Skirt a little too short, but good tailor, and Terrible amount of energy, and Wonder where she's going, followed her. These comments were audible, she had been listening, but she had the gift of keeping solitude in a crowd. Far along the beach she went hatless, her blood singing with the joy of life. A June morning, the sea, 
youth, and the consciousness of being loved. For what more could one ask? The diamond on the third finger of her left hand sparkled wonderfully in the sunlight. It was the only ring she wore. Presently she found a warm, soft place behind a sand dune. She reared upon the dune a dark green parasol with a white border and padded sand around the curved handle until it was, as she thought, firmly placed. Then she settled her skirts comfortably and opened her book for the first time. "'It looks bad,' she mused. "'Wonder what a carbohydrate is. And proteins. Where do you buy them? Albuminoids? I've been from Maine to Florida and have never seen any. They must be germs. However,' she continued to herself i have a trained mind and keeping everlastingly at it brings success it would be strange if three hours of hard study every day on the book the man in the store said was the best ever didn't produce some sort of definite result but oh how alan would laugh at me the book fell on the sand unheeded the brown eyes looked out past the blue surges to some far castle in spain her thoughts refused to phrase themselves in words but her pulses leaped with the old immortal joy the sun had risen high in the shining east before she returned to her book this isn't work she sighed to herself away with the dreams before long she got out her notebook a fresh fish she wrote does not smell fishy and its eyes are bright and its gills red a tender chicken or turkey has a springy breastbone if you push it down with your finger it springs back a leg of lamb has to have the tough outer parchment-like skin taken off with a sharp knife. Some of the oil of the wool is in it, and makes it taste muttony and bad. A lobster should always be bought when he is alive and green and boiled at home. Then you know he is fresh. Save everything for soup. I will go out into the kitchen, mused Eloise, and I will have the air of knowing all about everything. I will say, Marianne, I have ordered a lobster for you to boil. We will have a salad for lunch, and I trust you have saved everything that was left last night for tonight's soup. Marianne will be afraid of me, and Alan will be so proud. I thought I told you, continued Eloise to herself, to save all the crumbs. Dr. Conrad does not like to have everything salt, and he prefers to make the salad dressing himself. Do not cook any cereal the mornings we have oranges or grapefruit. The starch and acid are likely to make a disturbance inside. Four people are coming to dinner this evening. I have ordered some pink roses, and we will use the pink candle-shades. Or, wait, I had forgotten that my hair is red. Use the green candle-shades, and I will change the roses to white. A frolicsome little wind, which had long been ruffling the waves of Eloise's copper-colored hair, took the notebook out of her lap and laid it open on the sand some little distance away. Then, after making merry with the green parasol, it lifted it bodily by its roots out of the sand-dune, and went gaily down the beach with it. Eloise started in pursuit, but the wind and the parasol outdistanced her easily. Rounding the corner of another dune, she saw the parasol, with all sails set, jauntily embarked toward Europe. Turning away, disconsolate, she collided with a big blonde giant, who took her into his arms, saying, "'Never mind, I'll get you another.' When the first raptures had somewhat subsided, Eloise led him back to the place where the parasol had started from. "'When and where from, and how did you come?' she asked hurriedly, picking up her books. "'This morning from yonder palatial hotel on foot,' he answered. "'I thought you'd be out here somewhere. I didn't ask for you. I wanted to hunt you up myself. "'But I might have been upstairs,' she said reproachfully. 
on a morning like this not unless you've changed in the last ten days and you haven't except to grow lovelier but why did you come she asked nobody told you that you could sweet said alan softly possessing himself of her hand did you think i could stay away from you two whole weeks ten days is the limit a badly strained limit at that the color surged into her face she was radiant as though with some inner light the atmosphere around her was fairly electric with life and youth and joy dr alan conrad was very good to look at he had tawny hair and kind brown eyes a straight nose and a good firm chin he wore eyeglasses and his face might have seemed severe had it not been discredited by his mouth he was smooth-shaven and knew enough to wear brown clothes instead of gray eloise looked at him approvingly every detail of his attire satisfied her fastidious sense if he had worn a diamond ring or a conspicuous tie he might not have occupied his present proud position his unfailing good taste was a great comfort to her how long can you stay she inquired nice question he laughed to ask an eager lover who had just come sounds a good deal like here's your hat what's your hurry before i knew you i used to go to see a girl sometimes who always said at ten o'clock i'm so glad you came when can you come again the first time she did it i told her i couldn't come again until i had gone away this time and afterward i kept going away earlier and earlier and finally it was so much earlier that i went before i had come if i can't make a girl forget the clock i have no call to waste my valuable time on her have i assuming a frown with difficulty miss wynne consulted her watch why it's only half past eleven she exclaimed i thought it was much later you darling said the man irrelevantly what are you reading before she could stop him he had picked up the book and nearly choked in a burst of unseemly merriment upon my word he said when he could speak a cookbook a classmate of mine used to indulge himself in floral catalogues when he wanted to rest his mind with light literature but i never heard of a cookbook as among the books for summer reading that the booksellers advertise why not retorted eloise quickly no real reason lots of worse things are printed and sold by thousands but some way i can't seem to reconcile you and your glorious voice with a cookbook ellen conrad said miss wynne with affected sternness if you hadn't studied medicine would you be practicing it now no admitted alan not with the laws as they are in this state if i had no voice and had never studied music would i be singing at concerts not twice if a girl had never seen a typewriter and didn't know the first thing about shorthand would she apply for a position as a stenographer they do said alan gloomily don't dissemble please my point is simply this if every other occupation in the world demands some previous preparation why shouldn't a girl know something about housekeeping and homemaking before she undertakes it but my dear you're not going to cook i am if i want to announced eloise with authority and anyhow i'm going to know do you think i'm going to let some peripatetic untrained immigrant manage my house for me i guess not but cooking isn't theory he ventured picking up the notebook it's practice what good is all this going to do you when you have no stove don't you remember the famous painter who told inquiring visitors that he mixed his paints with brains i am now cooking with my mind after my mind learns to cook my hands will find it simple enough and sometime when you come in at midnight and have no dinner and the immigrant has long since gone to sleep you may be glad to be presented with panned oysters piping hot instead of a can of salmon and a can opener 
"'Bless your heart,' said Alan fondly. "'It's dear of you, and I hope it'll work. "'I'm starving this minute. "'Kiss me. "'Longing is divine compared with satiety,' she reminded him, as she yielded. "'How could you get away? "'Was nobody ill?' nobody would have the heart to be ill on a saturday in june when a doctor's best girl was only fifty miles away monday i'll go back and put some cholera or typhoid germs in the water supply and get nice and busy who's up yonder indicating the hotel nobody we know but very few of the guests have come so far in all our varied speech commented alan i know of nothing so exquisitely ironical as alluding to the people who stop at a hotel as guests in mexico they call them passengers, which is more in keeping with the facts. Fancy the feelings of a real guest upon receiving a bill of the usual proportions. I should consider it a violation of hospitality if a man at my house had to pay three prices for his dinner and a tip besides. You always had queer notions, remarked Eloise, with a sidelong glance, which set his heart to pounding. We'll call them inmates if you like it better. As yet, there are only eight inmates besides ourselves, though more are coming next week. Two old couples, one widow, one divorcee, and two spinsters with life-works. No galloping cherubs? School isn't out yet. I see. It would be the real thing unless there were little ones to gallop through the corridors at six in the morning and weep at the dinner-table. What are the life-works? One is writing a book, I understand, on the equality of the sexes. The other—oh, Alan, it's too funny. Spring it, he demanded. She's trying to have cornet playing introduced into the public schools. She says that tuberculosis and pneumonia are caused by insufficient lung development, and that cornet playing will develop the lungs of the rising generation. Fancy going by a school during the cornet hour. I don't know why they shouldn't put cornet playing into the schools, he observed, after a moment of profound thought. Everything else is there now. Why, shouldn't they teach crime and even make a fine art of it? If you let her know you're a doctor, cautioned Eloise, she'll corner you and i shall never see you again she says that she hopes incidentally to enlist the sympathies of the medical profession she's beginning at the wrong end cornet manufacturers and the people who keep sanitariums and private asylums are the co-workers she wants i couldn't live through the coming winter were it not for pneumonia it means coal and repairs for the automobile and furs for my wife when i get one come said eloise springing to her feet let's go up and get ready for luncheon "'Have you told me all?' asked Alan. "'Or is there some gay young troubadour who serenades you in the evening "'and whose existence you conceal from me for reasons of your own?' "'Nary a troubadour,' she replied. "'I haven't seen another soul except a pathetic little woman "'who came up to the hotel yesterday afternoon "'to sell the most exquisite things you ever saw. "'Think of offering handmade lingerie, or sheer, embroidered lawn, "'and batiste, and linen, to that crowd. "'The old ladies weren't interested.' the spinsters sniffed the widow wept and only the divorcee took any notice of it the prices were so ridiculous that i wouldn't let her unpack the box i'd be ashamed to pay her the price she asked it's made by a little lame girl up the main road i'm to go up there some time next week fairy godmother asked alan good-naturedly he had known eloise for many years perhaps she answered somewhat shamefaced what's the use of having money if you don't spend it they went into the hotel together, utterly oblivious of the eight pairs of curious eyes that were fastened upon them in a frank open stare. The rocking-chairs scraped on the veranda as they instinctively drew closer together. A strong human interest, imperatively demanding immediate discussion, had come to Riverdale by the sea. End of chapter 
five.